Welcome back to another episode of Somewhere Between, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. I'm Amy, and today we're joined by Stephanie and Lindsay Slater. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for having us. Um, Do you guys want to do a little introduction and tell everybody who you are? Um, I'm Stephanie, and I was adopted from Wuzhou in 1997 with my twin sister, Lindsay, and we are 24. Hey guys, I'm Lindsay. Um, like Stephanie said, we were adopted from Wuzhou in 97. We were 10 months old um, to an American couple. And I live in the Orlando area now in Florida. And I just got my master's in interior design. Hey, thank you guys. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> For those of you guys who listened, um, we have not a pair, I guess we have twins on the episode, um, which is something that I obviously I knew there was a possibility um but I just thought it was really interesting when I got to know them I met them through one of the adoptee groups that I'm a part of um after talking with them and learning that they were legitimately biological twins I thought that was just like the coolest thing because I've never met I've not met many twins in my life let alone seeing adopted twins get adopted by the same couple so definitely an interesting um, take on being adopted um so can you guys tell us a little bit about just the story of how you guys both got adopted by the same couple? Well, so our parents started the adoption process, um, I think in Pennsylvania, and then they were moving. Like my dad worked overseas in Thailand, so that's where they were living. And my mom told the adoption agency that they either wanted siblings that were close in age or twins. And they told my mom that they, they probably wouldn't get twins, but like they'll try. And they actually got twins. So it was something intentional that my parents wanted. Um, to adopt like two kids at once Um, and then we moved to Thailand after we were adopted that is like so cool that is really cool (laughs) that your parents like intentionally said is there a reason that your parents wanted to adopt two like siblings or twins I think they just wanted two two kids and my our parents didn't have any other kids besides us and I think my mom has always wanted you know not a big family because there's only four of us, but she she definitely didn't want to have an only child because I think she wanted her kids to experience having, like, siblings. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I know that there was a group of siblings or twins in my adoption group, but the way that they did it, you could only bring back one child per family. I don't know if that was, like, specific to the adoption agency we went through or what that was just some rule. But they actually had to, um, I don't know if I remember this right. The option was either you could adopt one and bring them, then go back like a year or something later and get the the second one, which I was like, that's like got to be like a really tough choice. Or, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this story in so long. Or it was that two couples both adopted and realized they were related and then they kept in touch. I think that was like, I think that that was the thing that happened, but the other option would have been if you wanted, like, a sibling, you had to go back, like, a couple years later, which is, like, so nuts to me. That's crazy. What adoption agency are you adopted from? Ah, that is an excellent question that I should (laughs) know at my age, but I cannot remember. But it was definitely um, outside, like, the Philly area. Oh, Um, okay. Oh, yeah. And this was in 95. They had a bunch of weird rules. Like, you had to be 40 Mm -hmm. to adopt. and yeah. Oh yeah, my my mom was only thirty six. Oh, that is when they adopted us. So that's so cool. Yeah, no, like I'm in that weird like 
age thing when my parents are all like 10 years older than my friend's parents. Oh yeah. So like, but that is so cool that you guys both like they went out looking for siblings and they like wanted to, of course, like not break siblings up. They wanted to keep people together. And I think that's really awesome. Did you guys, silly question. Did you guys always know you guys were twins? Was that like ever a conversation that had to be had? We, we all knew. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And then what was it kind of like growing up? One, just like being in the same household as twins and then, you know, being adoptees. What was that just experience like for you guys? I think it was fun. I mean, I think getting older, I mean, I've heard, you know, other people's stories that they're the only Asian person in their family, the only person of color in their family. I think I really took it for granted, like my experience growing up with Lindsay, you know, being able to see another, you know, Asian woman. And it sounds so, I mean, because we're twins, you know, it's us just obviously what we know. But I think I never truly realized how, how lucky we are to have each other, to have stayed in the same family. And but to also, you know, get to develop, you know, with with like each other. Because I think a lot of people, they didn't have anyone else who was Asian in their lives, whether it be family or friends. And it really like, it really affected the way they felt about Asian people and their their confidence. Yeah, and I think um, even though we're not, like we're the only Asian people in our family, we're not the only people of color in our family. So I think seeing that and like seeing that our cousins who, who are half black and half white, like seeing that their mom is white and like they don't like necessarily look like their mom, even though they actually do like their faces look a lot like their mom. But like just outwardly, they don't look like their mom. Like we don't look like our mom. So I think that was really helpful to see in other parts of our family. Like family doesn't have to look like each other. And I think as far as identity, a lot of the things that we went through, we could go through together. And there was someone that we could talk about it with. So I think that's like really helpful and something I definitely didn't realize is something that that made me so lucky to grow up with like my sister. Oh, I'm getting like... <laughs> wholesome content for the family <laughs> did you guys find that you were come like did you guys talk about adoption together did you talk about those kinds of things consciously I think it was consciously our parents were always really open about our adoption they always welcomed questions um we would when we would pray at night we would like bless our um our birth parents and stuff like that so it was always something that we knew and something that was really open and I don't necessarily remember exact conversations we have but I know as like young kids we had discussed like finding our birth parents and like wanting to do that yeah I think definitely we were always open about it and now as adults you know we don't live in the same house anymore we have different lives but we we you know we're, we're part of the Facebook pages and Facebook groups and we'll you know see a post or whatever and we might not comment on it but I'll always like ask her how she she feels about something and, and whatnot just to you know just keep that conversation going and we're a pretty open family. So we don't have any issues like asking about it or like talking about it. Mm -hmm. That's good that you guys are able to like freely express all the emotions and feelings that you're having. Did you find that as you were growing up, you guys were in, so I guess one of the things we talk about, I'll back check is just the idea of like your adoption journey. And one of the biggest things is just becoming open and talking about like how adoption has impacted your life. Do you feel that you guys were taking similar steps in your individual journeys in line with each other? Or do you feel like they didn't match up all the time? I feel like until we got to college, it was very similar because we obviously lived in the same house. 
And, you know, we had all the same friends that did like most of the same things in school. We had a band and like everything, everything we did after school was like, we, we, we did it as like twins. And then I had noticed when we went to different colleges and I had noticed that I feel like her journey with being not just like adopted, but her identity as an Asian American woman was developing a lot faster and like in a better, at like feel like she was okay with things sooner than I was. And it took me longer to get there. And I feel like the way we became, the way we accepted it was different just because we had different college like experiences. Like she was really involved in the Asian community and, and I was not. And I think growing up, like I was in, in high school, I was pretty involved in like the adoptee groups and stuff. And I had made friends in the adoptee groups and have been active. And Stephanie kind of like wasn't all that interested in it. And I feel like as of recently in the past, like I guess, in the past like calendar year she's been more active in the adoptee like facebook pages than i have been um but yeah i think like my journey as an asian american i was a lot more involved like in the asian american organizations at school and i was in leadership and i did a whole bunch of stuff for a um for like the asian american student union at fsu and i think and, and i took a lot of like classes about like I took like a Chinese lit class a Chinese film class and I was able to explore that part of like our identity um I think more more intentionally when when I was in high school you know I was very turned off by like the Facebook pages because we were only part of like ones with parents and like some of the stuff the parents would say it's like it it really turned me off and then you know sometimes when I I would speak up they would basically just say I was wrong I didn't know what I was talking about and I'm like okay like I'm not gonna waste my time to argue with you on Facebook. But then once I have found groups with just like people my age, you know, it wasn't parents, we could talk about our our experiences. Mm -hmm. That's when I became a lot more um, open towards it. And then, you know, when I was in college, I didn't really have the opportunity to take a bunch of like other classes that didn't have to do with my major. I took took a a modern China class, but it wasn't really what I, I thought it would be. I thought we would kind of talk more about like, like literally like what's going on like within the past five years and talking about that kind of stuff. But it was, it, it wasn't like that. And then she wanted us to read like three novels on top of textbook. And I did not do any of that because I didn't have the time to, to do it. Right. So I, I, I wanted to, to do it more because I, like, because I wanted to, but I never felt like that time really arose to me because I was just busy with, with other things. And I tried to get involved in the Asian organizations at my school and I, I just it didn't really work I constantly felt left out you know at my school at least almost every single Asian person in the organization they were majoring in like in like health sciences to do like to be a doctor or a dentist or something like that or they would do engineering or they would do like um the STEM yeah like STEM stuff and I, I did not do STEM my major was was, was criminal justice so mm-hmm. I didn't take any of the same classes they would take and I remember and, and I was I was the event coordinator for the Chinese American Student Club, and even being on the board, I still felt like I was excluded. Um, I remember one time we were doing a, a like a, a collab event with one with the Vietnamese organization, and everyone had like formed a circle talking about taking like um, organic chemistry or something, which I did not take that in my major and. They literally like formed the circle and like I was outside of it. Like they didn't, they didn't include me at all. And that, that, I think being in the, in the Asian wars, I just felt so excluded. 
it just really turned me off and I, and I had quit. I didn't, I didn't finish out my like term as being the event coordinator for that year. I quit like three or four months in and I literally never went back. I never went back to any event. I never, I never tried to um, like make friends with Asian people, you know, just being like, because they're Asian, like in, in the organization, I just totally, I didn't want anything to, to do with it. Cause I, I felt like they were, they would exclude me because I didn't have the same upbringing as them. I did when I wasn't even majoring in the same thing as everyone else was. Right. That's awful that they kind of like ostracized you like that when you were just trying to like be a part of something to connect yeah. with, you know, who you were. I'm so sorry that happened. And I think as far as like adoptee groups, sometimes like we, me and Stephanie have talked about it before, but sometimes we find it hard to connect with other adoptees because um, they were raised a lot differently than us. Like they were raised in like, um, like more affluent families and their parents are still married and they're like the only people of color in their family. And that's not anything that we can like, like re- relate to at this point in our lives. Our parents um, separated when we were 11 mm-hmm. and like a really bad um, divorce is a really bad situation. And I think just the way that we were raised is a lot different from a lot of the adoptees that we know. Right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I never, I guess I never thought about it too much, but it, there's a lot of boxes, like of the typical, like at least Chinese adoptee experience. Yeah. yeah. You have to buy a super, not like super wealthy, but like upper middle class or at least yeah. middle class family to like a super white neighborhood. And it's, that's like the, the norm of the adoptee mm-hmm. community. But you guys, that's really amazing that you guys were able, you had a sibling who was experiencing, you know, the things that you were at the same time overall. And then you had other POCs and BIPOCs in your life, which is like another mm-hmm. thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that I guess trying to connect on those like baseline levels, it, you have to go a little bit deeper, which for me, I'm just an awkward potato and I would never get past those baseline things <laughs> without the baseline. Man, wow. <laughs> kind of cool though that you guys again like you guys still had each other so I take it you guys went to different colleges after um and so that's kind of part of the reason why you guys were having those different journeys in your identities and stuff Mm -hmm. um and for me you know I would see her in college and she was really in the Asian orgs all of her close friends were Asian and Mm -hmm. I was like dang like I don't I don't have that at all you know I tried to be part of the Asian orgs it didn't work and we just had such different college like experiences. I mean, I really liked mine. It wasn't bad, but it was just so different. Even when we when we were in in grad school, our experiences were like totally different. Mm. And I think it's just so interesting because I mean, I think like we're kind of on the same level of like our acceptance of like you know like being adopted and and you know our Chinese or Asian American identity. Mm-hmm. But it came to a point where she was really forming hers, and she was like around like. 1820 and I, I don't think my start until I was like honestly till I was like 22 oh wow yeah did you get so I guess um both for both of you guys what led you to becoming involved and then uh or, yeah I'm gonna start that again see there it is I just okay. <laughs> um, both of you guys what led you to becoming involved in the Asian community um I well since high school I really like craved that connection with my culture and I really wanted to be involved in like the Asian community when I went to college in high school I even messaged the girl who 
became like the assistant um, director of the Asian American Student Union my freshman year. I messaged her on Facebook when I was in high school and said, like, you know, I really want to be involved, but I'm afraid. Like, I'm, I'm worried that because I'm adopted, like, I won't fit in. And she was just saying, you know, like, there are people who, who aren't even Asian who are involved in, in our organization. It's a really, um, like, inclusive um, like group of people, and you should just try. And so freshman year, like, I really, really wanted to try, but I think I was just so overwhelmed uh, with being in college and being away from my sister. Like, going to college was the first thing I did without Stephanie, and that was, like, hard. Right. Um, so... I wasn't really that involved. And then um, they asked me to be like, to help with the homecoming float sophomore year because of my, my background in, in, in design. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't build anything, but I like, I can try to help. And so that's how I really got involved. And we would just sit there like pumping, which is like, like folding the, that, like folding the tissue paper for hours. And we would just go around and tell each other our life story. And like through that and like through talking with all of them, I realized that I was more alike than than I thought I was. And we had more similarities than I thought that we would have. Mm-hmm. And so I think that made it like easier for me to like further get involved. And I think that was like freshman year and sophomore year was my like my awakening um, as being part of like the, like being Asian American and like the issues that Asian Americans face and like just like social issues in general and social issues that Asian Americans face. So I really wanted to get involved in that way. And it was really important to me to like make a difference um, in the ways that I could. And then I went to um, the East coast Asian American student union conference at Rutgers, which was like, like, honestly, like one of the best experiences of my life. Like it was so, so empowering. And that's really what drove me to be involved. So my junior year, I was the education coordinator of the Asian American Student Union, and then I became director my senior year. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome, though. And then, Stephanie, what kind of got you to start your involvement? Um, I mean, like Lindsay, you know, when we were in high school, there wasn't a lot of Asian people where we were at, and I was very excited, too, to get involved with the Asian organizations at school and stuff. And when I, I so I went to college in the spring, she went in the fall. So I went like a semester after her to where I went to school. And mm-hmm. I tried to rush the Asian um, sorority. And I mean, it wasn't bad, but I was, was going through a lot. Like I had, <laughs> I went to her for my boyfriend and we broke up like right when I got there. So I was like super depressed. And I just, I just, and it was hard for me to adjust too. You know, I had never been away from home before like that. I just was going through a, a breakup and I, and also, you know, like being in, in school with Lindsay in high school, everyone wanted to, to be our friend. We never had trouble making friends. I never had to go out of my way to make friends because everyone was like trying to talk to us. You know, going I mean? to college was hard. I didn't know how to talk to yeah. people. And I didn't know I did not know how to talk to people. I did not know how to like start to like start conversations and like keep it going yeah. and stuff like that. So and you know, I I don't look nice when I'm just like I mean, I'm just looking. I I don't look very nice, and people are were like, "You look really mean." And I was like, "Yeah." And but so <laughs> looking mean and being shy, I did not know how to make friends, and I just too felt like I just couldn't relate. Like, and I think when where I was at school, it, the Asian community they were very like like 
like exclusive. Like they only, mm-hmm. I feel like some people, they only really wanted certain people who did certain things, who had a certain type of like aesthetic and looking type of thing like that. They wanted those them to be in a lot of, I mean, every single person. And the biggest thing for me, I felt was an issue was that all of them came from like money. Like they had families who had money and stuff like that. I didn't come from that. So they would always want to go out. They always want to buy stuff and do this. I'm like, I can't afford to, to, to like they would, they would bond by going out and getting food. And I couldn't afford um, them all the time. Right. So, yeah. and I, I also, I didn't like K-pop at the time. I didn't like anime. I didn't like any of mm-hmm. like the Asian stuff. So it was right. hard for me to bond. And mm-hmm. I just felt like if you didn't like that kind of stuff, then you really couldn't like, be in the organization it is how I felt. Um, so, I mean, like I had tried and I, I tried twice to rush the the Asian sorority and I'm like, I just, but I was like, this really isn't for me. Like, I just really don't click with these girls. We don't have the same experiences mm-hmm. like at all. And it was just really hard for me to like, to, to relate to everyone. Right. So, I mean, like I said, after I quit the Asian, the, the Chinese club, I just, I didn't do anything. And I had tried to find because I think my biggest thing was I wanted to find a, like a group of people that I, I would like fit in with. And I, I looked mm-hmm. for it a little bit when I would, I would try to like do uh, Greek life and stuff. And, and I did rush another sorority and I, I got a bid and I was, I was pledging and it was a really hard and it wasn't for me. I found, so I quit that too. <laughs> and um, college them, Stephanie, cause you did like an Asian American oh, yeah. caucus. When did you yeah. So I was really involved in the college Democrats from like, 2015 to like 20, I think 2016. I don't think I was that in it when Trump won, but I was in it. <laughs> I was in it. Really, was really heavily involved before, like 2015. And me and my mm. friend, she um, she's South Asian. We had started like because the College Democrats Club they had like different caucuses for like different um, like issues and topics that people were like really passionate about. So like mm. homelessness or like stuff like that, like, oh, uh, like, like a woman's caucus, there was like LGBTQ. And so right. we actually started the Asian American caucus. And we actually, did, that was actually good for a little bit, but then it got to be really overwhelming. We had to do all this paperwork. We did, oh. we did like three, like three events. Mm-hmm. And we would, we spoke at like the Asian frats event about voting and stuff like that. But I talked about the importance of voting. Um, mm-hmm because the election was coming up for 2016. So I was really involved with that for a little bit, but it just got, got to be like way too much. And I didn't, I, I don't think I fully understood like what the, um, what the, what it actually was going to end up being. And we were like really active for like one semester. And then all the both, of the founders, with the other founders, we just all got busy doing like our own stuff, you know, like I didn't want to be, in politics at all. So I was like, I need to start focusing and doing stuff for my major as opposed to doing stuff that, I mean, it's gonna look good that I did it, but I mean, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have any relevance in what I do now. And a lot of times people don't wanna see like party affiliation. Things. Yeah, they don't wanna see that. Unless you're joining like someone's campaign. So yeah, right. they don't wanna see. Yeah. I was in, I was in college. Yeah. You know, when I would put it on the, my resume, people, people were like, what's that? They didn't even know what it was. So I was like, okay. And I, yeah, I don't yeah. put it on my resume at all. Because college Democrats. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, so I didn't really, I mean, I think that was helpful because we did, you know, we would post on social media. We had like a Facebook page and mm-hmm. stuff. And I, and 
we would talk about like Asian American issues and talk about that kind of stuff. And so that I think is what did put me into like um, researching more about, you know, Chinese Americans and Asian Americans. So I got, we got, we, we did the, the, the caucus my like sophomore year. And then at the end of that was when I was trying to like be more involved in, in the Asian community, in the Asian organization. So I had, and I never really attended stuff at CASA, like the Chinese American Student Association, but mm-hmm. we only, we went to like all of the organizations meetings so we could get the word out about our caucus and stuff like that. That's so I, I would kind of show up to the CASA stuff. I didn't, before that I didn't go at all. And then I had, I had run for um, event coordinator and I had got it. So I was the event coordinator for like the fall semester of my junior year in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that didn't work out for me. I was like, this is just, this is just it. Like, I don't, I was like, I really don't see myself being involved with the Asian community here at all. And I said, I quit and I never went back to anything. I, I bought a shirt and I never even, I never even got it. Oh, because wow. I, was, I just didn't. Wasted that money. I know, $10. <laughs> I, I truly just felt so like, excluded i just didn't want to go back and I, I was honestly kind of embarrassed you know that i had got the position and then i quit mm-hmm. so i just really didn't go back and like no one was really close to me anyway so i'm like what's, what's the point just very different experiences <laughs> yeah absolutely i feel like in one way like Lindsay, the the group that you had they they seemed that they were really welcoming and you guys had that like foundation of at least when you started we're going to work on this float so you have an objective mm-hmm. and you had all this time to like fill by what else you're going to yes. do when you're doing something other than just talk about your lives you kind of had like a a format like a common goal to be there as well as the the space to just talk freely where you can really get to know somebody without those common interests whereas stephanie you were kind of thrown in an environment where it was a lot more socializing yeah it was really clicking there were, and you know, there, there was an organization where it's like these super beautiful Vietnamese girls, like like ran it. And if you were not what they looked like and what they wanted you to be, you really were not like in the organization, you know. And they were like all on the board. I remember I, I went to one of their events. They didn't even like say hi. Like they didn't like say they didn't greet us when we came to their event. And I was just like, like okay, like we're new here. You would think you would you know, and like say, hi, I'm so-and-so, welcome to, you know, the organization or whatnot. But right. I, I think the, the tone over a lot of the Asian organizations was that it's, if you're not like part of this, if you're not already part of it, mm-hmm. you don't, we don't really want new people. And I think, I think also what it was, was she went to a school with like 6% Asian population oh. and mine was only 2.5. So I think because we had such a smaller group of people, mm-hmm. it was less clicky, even though people say our organization is, is really clicky. Mm-hmm. I never really felt that way. Um, but I mean, you know, if the other people feel that way, but I think it was easier because we did have such a smaller group of people. It was easier to like get, like to meet people and to make friends with people because it was like three times as small. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like almost three times smaller than at Stephanie's school. Yeah. That makes sense. And then what got, or that words, and then after those experiences, what what led you to getting involved or re-involved um, into like Asian adoptee specific communities? Because I feel like 
like for me, I didn't know that there was even like the SAT page, like the SAAT. Yeah. I just knew like the big one with like all the the Asian, like English Asian speaking people from around the world. Um, so what led you guys to that specific kind of involvement? I think for me, I got I got my master's in social work and we took a class about like um the, the diversity and we talked about we did a whole paper about like who we were and how we like um like identified ourselves as and stuff like that. And you know, my biggest things are that I'm Chinese, I'm adopted, I'm twin, I'm a woman, you know what I mean? Right. So I think taking that class and really exploring like identity and stuff like that, because I think that before I took that class, I really had the idea that like, like your identity was kind of like, like preset. You know what I mean? I always felt like I wasn't Asian enough because I didn't like the typical Asian things. I didn't like K-pop. I didn't like anime. You know, I obviously didn't speak the language. I didn't have that. I didn't have the Asian upbringing at all. So I had a very like rigid idea of what I thought like being Asian American was. Mm -hmm. And then when I took that class, you know, they have basically said that like, you know, your identity is what you feel. It's not about what people see you as. And I was like, oh, you know, and that, that really helped me. And I think taking that class and, and being in, in, in that major, mm -hmm. it really opened my eyes to see like, to explore who, who I am and how I truly felt about myself. Because I feel like I was such a low self-esteem about the way that others saw me in in my like like identity mm -hmm. that I just I felt like I didn't want to try. And you know, someone had invited me to join like the SAAT page for a long time, and I didn't like, join it for like a long time. Like I I, I kept the request mm -hmm. in my little like message box thing. Like I I probably waited like four months to actually join it. Cause I was like, I don't really, I was like, I don't really see the point. I was, you know, I was kind of just like turned off. I was so, so turned off by like Asian adoptees and, you know, like just like yeah. Asian people. I was so turned off by it mm -hmm. that I just took forever. And then when I joined the page, I was like, wow, like, this is like really awesome. I've never experienced this like at all. Yeah. Right. I think that I'm really glad that you were in that like identity class. Cause it sounds really one empowering and almost yeah. like a, a second awakening for yeah. really discovering who you were. And I, mm -hmm. that's, so important i think just for anybody listening the idea that like your identities are how you feel and who who you feel that you are and that's a personal thing to you that is also yeah. really empowering for everybody mm -hmm. i think it's important to remember too there's no finish line for identity like it's something that's always changing and i think when i was younger i thought that like if i could achieve like x y and z then i would like feel comfortable with how i how i like identified as an asian american or a chinese american and if I, and if I did find then you know, I'm more validated in being an Asian American, but that's like not how it works. And because like we are Asian by blood, you know, and our experiences are Asian American experiences because we're Asian Americans, because we're Asian and there's no one way to be Asian. Like you don't have to check off like five out of seven boxes to be Asian, you know, like mm -hmm. our experience that we have being Chinese Americans, being Asian Americans, being like Chinese adoptees, those are Asian American experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the way that you guys said that. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that a lot. So just yeah. <laughs> <Here's> practice. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I feel like when you at least for me, when I started to really get in touch with my identities and you know speaking out about how I felt about in relation to my identities 
I started to realize like I had like almost like a party line of like how I felt and experiences that I would would say to people over and over again. And then it just kind of became like my personal mantra about, you know, those certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like all through high school, I was kind of surrounded by people who would make comments about like how I wasn't really Asian because, mm-hmm. you know, we have a white family and stuff like that. And then, you know, so my my boyfriend now, he doesn't seem to have any, like I've, I've made comments before how like, me doing something or he just got me some like jade jewelry i was like i i made the comment that i feel like a real chinese woman because because i got a like jade bracelet because all like almost all asian chinese women have something jade and i was like oh now i really feel like like a real chinese woman because i have something jade and then and then his his statement was he 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 was like he said i think he he, he was like you've always been a a, a Chinese woman, and I was like, "You right? You know what I mean?" But and that's yeah. I mean, he said those things to me before. You know, I've made comments about how you know I don't feel really Chinese or or like or like me doing something makes me really Chinese. But then he would always be like, "But you've always been a Chinese woman," you know. And I think that's helped me because he doesn't have the idea that experiences make you experiences make you. Asian, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. growing up with an immigrant family or this or that, you know, he sees me how, like, you know, as an as a Chinese American woman because right. I am, not because of what I have or have not like experienced. Yeah, and I think that is really helpful. Yeah, that is like so, like such a simple thing to say, yeah. but it's such a meaningful thing to to say to you as well. I've honestly never had anyone tell me that before. So when he told me that, like that. Is that recent time about the Jade stuff that isn't the first time that he said that, but the first time he ever said to me, I was like, oh man, like, like you're right. You know, I didn't, mm-hmm. like, no one's ever said that to me before. No one's ever, like, affirmed that I am Chinese and I don't have to have certain things. I don't have to do certain things to really be Chinese because, yeah. like, I, I just am. Yeah. I feel like being Asian and Asian American, there is that for a lot not for everybody out there of course but there's a lot of like that gatekeeping idea that like almost like you have like, like your percentage asian mm-hmm. just based on your experiences and having yeah. nothing to do with your dna or mm-hmm. you know how the world perceives you which has a really big impact on your experiences so i think like my friends who are not in the asian community they always they like they'll do jokes like oh like you're you're half white and they don't realize that like that is an actual sentiment that people have yeah people who are not who don't have those like classic experiences so Mm -hmm. i think just those like it it gets into our heads and we kind of we gatekeep ourselves almost yeah we have that identity posture thing and like all of those things so yeah that's just awesome he would say those it things. It really when I see other adoptees say that they're pretty much white. And I'm like, oh my God, no, you're not. You're not white. Yeah. Like, no one, like, like you don't get treated like you're white when people first see you. Mm-hmm. And you're not white. Like, the experiences we have are still Asian American experiences. Mm-hmm. And it makes me really sad that, like, other adoptees feel like, I guess, like, like they just don't identify with being Asian because, because of their experiences. But, like, you're not white. Yeah. Yeah. And that just makes me really sad. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things, like, you don't realize, at least for me, I didn't realize, I guess, because you're young and you, you grow up in a, in a certain community, a certain neighborhood. I didn't realize how much, like, 
no matter if I wanted to accept it or not, I was like a Chinese American woman growing up in a white community, never realized how much that impacted everyone mm-hmm. around me until yeah. all of a sudden it did. And then it like hits you like, it doesn't matter how I, f- like in that one sense, it doesn't matter how I feel, who I talk to, what I do in my free time. To all these people, I'm just a, another Asian person mm-hmm. in a white neighborhood. And it's just yeah. like, yeah. So crazy how like it like it doesn't affect anything until all of a sudden you realize it affects everything. Yeah. And then when you leave home, like and when you leave the community that you grew up in and people knowing your story, like mm-hmm. people assume all these things about you because you're Asian. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you don't have that like adjacency to white privilege anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the first time this week when I was at work, um, Someone asked me, one of the patients was like, he asked me if I married someone American. And I was like, no. But I mean, but like, I don't tell them my story because I work in a prison and I just don't tell them my life story. Right. But I was just like, no, I I was like, no, I've been here for a long time. Like, you know what I mean? And and I don't think he meant anything by it. He's he's very old and and whatnot. And I think he was genuinely asking because he was in the Vietnam War. But he, he asked me if, First, he asked if if I was Oriental, and I was like, "I'm Asian, yes." Is what I, is what I said to him. Yeah. And then he was like, "Did you marry someone American?" I was like, "I was like, no, I've been here for a long time, like <laughs> uh, you know." And I don't know how old yeah. he thinks I am or whatever, right. but you know, I, I I don't know what he's thinking. But and that was the first time I've ever been. I've never been asked if yeah. I married someone American, like as the reason why. I'm I'm here today. I've never been asked that before, and I think I mean obviously like I said I don't know how old he thinks that I am, mm-hmm. but I, you know like I'm 24 and I mean yeah I could be married, but I'm not like an, an older person where you know what I mean. You assume right. I'm, yeah. but I've never been asked that before. I was like oh like that's just I didn't even know. And it's, it would be different if I didn't work in a prison and I could say oh you know I'm adopted, but I'm not gonna tell them I'm adopted. Right. <laughs> I'm adopted. Yeah. So, a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a lot. And I, it's like, especially because I can't answer with the full truth. I don't know what to say to people when they ask me that. Because right. I'm like, like that's not. I'm not here because I got married to an American. Like, that's that's not why I'm here now. Right. That's such an uncomfortable. Like again, like you don't think he meant anything by it, but it's just like yeah. Wow. Well, I I didn't know how to answer it. I was like, oh. right. Do they know like your full name, or do they just know you by like they know my last name? No, they know me being me by Miss Slater. They do not know my friend. I mean, they might. They might have had someone on the outside do some research on me. Right. But they have found out others' first names. I have not been one who uh, they've called me by my first name. But yeah. no, they just know me as Miss Slater. And I've had comments before that people, they would say Slater isn't a, a Chinese name. I was like, nope, it's not. <laughs> and I just, I, I keep it moving. Yeah. Just don't tell me. We don't tell them that kind of stuff, but that makes sense. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of questions and comments about being Asian, like working in the prison and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my cat's just. She's on collars on. She's just like sitting on my mouth. Like, can I help you, ma'am? She's like, I love you. <laughs> um let's see and then so for the two of you guys were you always close like emotionally 
Oh yeah, we were always very close. I mean, we didn't have anyone else. We didn't have anyone else. I think we weren't that close when we were, like up until we were 11, mm-hmm. we weren't all that close. And I think we tried really, really hard to be different. You're right. Yeah, like we tried really hard to be different, I think. And we like try hard to be opposite because like, our parents always treated us as individuals, but a lot of people didn't. I think we really try to like push those boundaries. And I think a lot of the twins we saw growing up, like were, were opposite, like, like, like Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen always play opposite characters. Zach and Cody were like super opposite. Um, so I think, and, you know, I think that's. Or they were the exact same person. Yeah, or they were the exact same person. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, as a twin, you have to be like super opposite or exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so I think when we were younger, we definitely tried to like be more different. But once our parents separated, uh, it was like really, really traumatic like for our family. And we got really, really close after that. Yeah. I mean, I think we were always close. Even if we tried to act different and be different from each other, we were so close. Like we never fought like that. Like we had twin friends who would, again, like physical fight, say fight over like everything. Mm-hmm. My mom didn't let us do that. Yeah, we didn't do that. Like they were getting physical fights and stuff, and we, we I mean, we, but we, I, even like I said, even if, even if we were trying to be different, we were always very close. You know, we didn't ever go through phases where we didn't talk to each other. We were just kind of stay in each other. You know, I think now that we've gone older and we have we we live in different places, we have our, our different lives, our different experiences. We mm-hmm. we're not. I'm not gonna say we're not as close. I think because I think we are very close. I think. This we've truly developed into our, our own people. Mm-hmm. We clash a little more because we just don't live the same way anymore. You know what I mean? Like we don't live in the same house. And I have my way of doing things. Right. Yeah, I think it's like like the same person almost. Yeah, we were very similar. We got treated like the same person. And we also like we did all the same things. We like shared clothes. And just like we like like we took almost all the same classes. Yeah, like we took classes together. We played tennis. We were in band. We did NHS together. Um, so like we didn't get to like make identities that were separate until we went to college and we went to different yeah. colleges. But I mean, you when you also have the same type of interests, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we were both in like advanced classes. I'm not gonna be in advanced. She not be in advanced because we don't want to be in the same classes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't think a lot of times we had a choice, even if we wanted to be different, because mm-hmm. we just didn't have that 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 opportunity. But then, you know, we had planned to go to the same college, and we were like gonna live together, and like mm-hmm. it would have been like. I think we would have been friends if we went to the same college because we had talked about like getting an apartment together, yeah. which you know now I know that it's a lot harder to be involved on campus when you live in an apartment anyway. Right. I, I feel like we honestly would have never made friends if we went to the same college because that's something we both had to learn mm-hmm. was how to like talk to people and make friends when we didn't have each other. I did not have a lot of friends when I went to college, like a lot of like new ones. Like I had people, I, I went to college closer to home than mm-hmm. she did. And, you know, there are people who I went to high school with, or, you know, people I knew from like before that we were friends, but I did not make a lot of new friends. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't until really I got to like grad school that I had like, more than like a handful of like friends. Cause mm-hmm. I just wasn't, I did not, I, I, when I was like, like a junior and like a senior in, in, in college and I still did not really know how to talk to people. I didn't really know how to network. I didn't really know how to go up to someone and just be like, hi, and like, you know, keep a conversation going. Yeah. yeah up until I got to grad school and I literally knew no one, you know what I mean? And right. like, 
you have to, you know, you have you go more out of your way to be friends with people because in grad school, you know, like my, my cohort was like relatively small. So mm-hmm. you're in class with like all the same people, but my major in undergrad was not like that. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to like rely on making friends because I can make them somewhere else. But in grad school, I only did grad school and like my job. And if I didn't have friends from class, I wouldn't have no friends at all. Right. So. Yeah. Like the more that you guys talk about like having to learn how to make friends without each other and just individually, I think that really resonates with me because I was in, I was also in band in case you guys didn't know (laughs) for like a whole like all of high school, of course, I did marching band, I did concert band, symphonic band, all of, all of the bands. Um, and then when I went to college, I was fortunate enough to have a university that had a marching band and had like a, a music program that I could still get involved with it without it overtaking my time for my major and my other things. And without, I think all of my friends I made were through band or through like a, a job that I had. Like there is no other thing and I I genuinely don't know what I would how people still like when you said I'm not the kind of person to like walk up to somebody inside a conversation and get to know them I like to me just hearing that like makes me anxious like the idea of just like talking to somebody without the pretext of like oh like what's the music today just like you yeah. <laughs> in my brain <laughs> which I think is really interesting I've definitely gotten better at it but I'm still like no I'm I don't go up to people like that. I, I, I'm better, but I'm not probably yeah, better. KSU, like, forced me to be able to, like, have conversations and talk to people, especially being, like, on the e-board. You, mm-hmm. you have to go talk to people and be welcoming and, like, make conversations with people. And, like, going to Ecosia, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to go to four Ecosia in a row. I met, like, all these people. And, you know, like, I feel like that really helped me hone, like, my people skills and stuff. That's that's an important skill. Yes, <laughs> I'm glad that I feel like I'm, I'm still working on mine. And I, mean, I, I have those skills, but in the context of like I'm here to help you, you know, like mm-hmm. I've all of my jobs and stuff like that. Like I've been like, oh, I was like tutoring someone, and and now I, I, I'm a counselor, so I know how to go up to you and be like, hi, I'm Miss Slayer. I'm gonna be your counselor while you're here. I'm you know I'm gonna you know, we'll work on your treatment or, or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, but in the context of not like that kind of stuff or I'm like here to help you and like yeah, friends, yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not really. I mean luckily like you know I'm I'm pretty good friends with some people at work, but otherwise I don't know how I won't have any friends because I don't do anything besides go to work and come home and go out on the weekends, like go to the stores and buy some stuff. You mm-hmm. know, but otherwise than that, you know, I don't I'm haven't met people here. Right. And I also thinking back to something that you said you mentioned you guys were like looking at going to the same college and getting an apartment together growing up I know um sorry I I'm, I'm struggling with how to word this um is it twin friends yes I'm we just say twin friends <laughs> yeah I have twin friends um Kristen and Carly um and growing up they you know, they, they definitely thought more. Um, and then when the decision and time came for them to go to college, they, they debated a lot back and forth about, will we go to the same college or we not? Um, and then eventually they did go to the same college. They just lived in different dorm rooms. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. So that was kind of like the way of, you know, still having each other close, but also like having space to like make different friends and do different things. Um, so where was the turning point or what, what decided for you guys that you would ultimately go to different colleges? So we had both wanted to go to Florida State and we had applied and everything our senior year and Lindsay got in, but I got deferred because they wanted me to retake the SAT and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I think at that I, point, you already got into UNF. And yeah, I, I already got, I got into other schools. Yeah, you and, decided you wanted to go because we used to live up in that area. Yeah, and I decided to go somewhere else because I was like, I'm not going to retest. I've already taken it twice, and I'm not doing any better. And I already got into a school, so I said, like, oh, I'll just go there. Mm-hmm. But then that just did, all my plans didn't work. And then I ended up going to school, like, just like one hour away from where, where we were at. I moved into a dorm and everything. Like, you know, I didn't have a car. Right. We had cousins living there. Too. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to be there around my cousins. My boyfriend at the time went there and I wanted to go be with him. I wanted to go be with him. And I mean, like, that was kind of the, the deciding factor. I don't think it was anything like, oh, you know, we sat down and talked about it. I didn't get into Florida State right away, but I got into other places. I'm, I'm just going to go here. You yeah, know? it happened. Yeah, I was just, and we didn't talk about it. Like, you know, like, oh, like, that's going to suck. You know, we, we, we thought that we would be together and, and would not. But I think ultimately, I think us going different places was like the best for us. Yeah, I think so. We're such different, I mean, we we're very similar, mm-hmm. but we're such different people and we have such different lives now. And I, th- I think that's really good. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I think, and, you know, being in high school, you know, being a twin, you're, you're always com- com- compared to each other. I was always the stupid twin, which I'm not stupid. But you know, I was always the stupid twin. I was I was the more athletic one. She wasn't as athletic, or whatever. Like we would always get get compared. Right. And to me, that was really annoying. You know, people would always like they would literally always make jokes and say I was I was the dumb one, which I wasn't. I was not stupid. Mm-hmm. And you know, one yeah. time one guy one guy said said that she was prettier than me. I'm like, damn, like that. That's mean, you know, like ugly, ugly as hell. So I had never experienced that before. And I was just, I felt like I always got the short end, end of the stick. I felt like she was always the one who was smarter than me. She was always this or that and stuff like that. And so when we went to different places, I never had that at all. Because obviously no one knew I was a twin unless I told them. Mm-hmm. So I was never being compared. Like, you know, I was never like, oh, like, oh, like, she's a nice one. She's the mean one. She's mm-hmm. the prettier one. She's more this and more that. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that mm-hmm. is what really helped me. Because in high school, it was, it was honestly kind of hard for me. Because I was always the one who was just like stupider than her, and I'm I'm not stupid. That's just rude. Like it is rude. That's the people. And that goes to the thing that people think twins either have to be like exactly the same or complete opposite. Right. And that's yeah. not like realistic. And I think it was also good for us to go to different colleges because it's not realistic. Like we used to want to live in houses next door with like <laughs> in the backyard, and that's yeah. really just not realistic. Because mm-hmm. we don't want the same things in life. You know, that's just like really hard. That would be really hard to achieve. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we have to learn how to separate and be individuals. And I think college is the easiest time to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really yeah. hard to separate after college, I think. I think yeah. it would have been a harder adjustment yeah. than the separate colleges was. Because I, I think if we were together in college and stuff, I think we would have allowed ourselves to be influenced by like, by like one another. Like mm-hmm. I usually want to say in the Southeast, and I do not, I don't even want to stay in America, on, to be honest with you. I want to go to Canada or something. Like, I don't want to stay here. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, if I do stay, I want to go to like the West Coast or like go up north. I don't want to stay, but she wants to stay. And you mm-hmm. know, and I think now, you know, as we've gone older, we've become a lot more like in tune with what we truly want, not what mm-hmm. other people want for us, not what is expected of us, not what we have to do to, you know, be close to our family. You know what I mean? Like I would, I don't really want to move that far away from my family, but I also don't want to stay here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's gonna come a time where. I'm going to do what my family wants to do what I want to do. Right. And I, I want to move away. I don't want to stay in Florida. I don't want to stay in the South at all. Mm-hmm. So. And then, so earlier we talked a little bit about how your family was always really open and honest and having no discussions about adoption. Um, do you think that, you know, your family doing that with you guys um, really impacted your views of adoption or changed how you view everything? I think so. I think that um, it was, you know, being adopted was never something that we were ashamed of. It was never something that we were like embarrassed to tell people. Like I like I read things now from adoptees on like various pages saying that they're like embarrassed to tell people that they're adopted or they don't know how to bring it up. And it's like it just is a fact. Like the fact that I have a twin. You know, it's not something that you have to sit down with the like with your friend. Like, okay, listen, I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Did you not notice that my parents are white and I'm not? Like you know, I just. Not to break, you know, I, I feel like it's just, it's just a fact and there's nothing to make a big deal out of. Our parents never made a big deal out of it. It was something we always knew. We always, like my mom would show us, like, or my mom would tell us that she would like, like stare at our pictures every day until she met us. And she knew who, like, like, like which twin was who before she even met us. Cause she stared at our pictures every day when she was in Thailand and like, like waiting for us to like waiting to meet us. And they told us about like like the names and the orphanage and things like that. So I mean, it was just something that we never found embarrassing. We never found like it to be like like secretive or anything. And I think some parents have made it so it's something that adoptees like feel like should be a secret or should be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm really glad our parents were so open with us. And so open to um, to conversations and to our questions too. Mm-hmm. That's really good that like you had that environment to explore and really get comfortable with you know being adopted. Which again, mm-hmm. like you said, so many people just never really got to even now. Yeah. Which I think it's because we we have a family where you know like like we said before you know we have a lot of people of color in our family. A lot of our cousins are like mixed or, you know, they're black and stuff like that. And our mom, who's white, she grew up in like a, a totally black neighborhood. Her her stepdad was black. And so we have a lot of family, you know, people, they wonder how like their family, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's right. my mom who's very white and has, you know, curly hair. Then there's someone who's Asian. And then we have like, like black cousins, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, they've always dealt with people, you know, asking like how, are, are you guys family? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's clear. You can't hide it. You know what I mean? So right. you were always just raised in an environment where it was never a secret because we never were made to feel like we should be ashamed of like our family, you know, whether or not someone is like a stepchild or adopted or, or, or anything. So I think we were just always very open about it. We, we, not even before adoption, I think because of the family that my mom had, before us yeah yeah and like our family like blood doesn't mean anything like even even like even before we were adopted like blood like doesn't make you a family 
Mm -hmm. And other people in our family, like when our cousins were younger than us, never questioned like how we were family. They just knew yeah. that we were cousins and we were family and, and that was it. So I think that's just like a part of how our how, how all of our family is, not just our parents. Yeah. I think that's that's really great that like the whole it was it was part of like the family culture already is just yeah. this is your family, it's who you make of it, and that's like really I think that's really special. And if we have people who 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 question it, or you know, like our dad's dad was really racist and didn't really like the idea of our parents adopting people who weren't white, they were not close. Like they weren't in our life. I think you might have met him once when we were babies, never met him again. Like yeah. if people yeah. don't have like that to us, then our family would just cut them out. Like our mom and dad mm-hmm. did not did not accept that. We never got brought around to people saying stuff about, you know, how we're not really part of the family. You know what I mean, or what or whatever. Like. We've never had family say any of that stuff to us. And if they did, like they would say it, you know, before we, we even got here. And our mm-hmm. parents were like, yeah, we're not going to expose our child to that. Good. That's really good. We've been talking for a while. Are there any other things that you guys want to talk about or um, any final thoughts that you guys have that you want to share with everyone? One last thing, I guess, is just like, I don't feel lucky to be adopted in the sense of like being grateful of being adopted like I feel really lucky to have a family who loves me like our mom loves us I feel grateful to be in a family who is like very open and understanding and I think mm-hmm. as we've grown up and you know like we've seen that not like not all families are like that mm-hmm. and I think we've been really really lucky in that aspect even though we've been unlucky in a lot of other aspects I think we've been really lucky in the aspect of having a family who accepts like family just as family like, like, there's no question about who's family. Yeah, I think we definitely took for granted that. And then when I got more involved with, like, other adoptees and stuff, I was like, dang, man, I, I didn't know that y'all's fa- your parents would say such racist things to you. I didn't, you know, your family would do that. And, you know, even even if us and our dad don't have the best relationship, what I think I can say is he never made us feel any different than his daughters because we were not his, his like, biological kids i think the way that our parents our mom and dad handled our adoption mm-hmm. was honestly like picture perfect yeah i couldn't have anything to change yeah mm-hmm. you know our dad and even though he wasn't he wasn't around a lot because he, he worked a lot and stuff like that but the memories that i do have of him you know in terms of us being adopted were always very positive he, yeah he never he never made comments to us he never I don't think he ever said racist things to us. Like, you know what I mean? And if yeah. he did, it might have been later on in life when we would all take it as a joke. You know, he yeah. never has said offensive things to us about being Asian. He's mm-hmm. never said offensive things to us about being adopted. Or, you know what I mean? He's never, ever made us feel like we were not his daughters. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? And I think I just really took for granted that because mm-hmm. I – there's a lot of adoptees who their families, their mom and dads are like just so racist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like y'all live with aggressive things about being adopted. And like, oh my God. So why did you do it? I can't fathom it. I just can't fathom it. Our parents never did that. Right. So I'm so grateful in that aspect that we have a family who was so open and loving Mm -hmm. in terms of like adoption. It's really shocking. I think as we get older, it's really shocking to see like who is able to adopt. Yeah, because yeah, it's okay. like, oh my god, you guys should not have adopted. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah not exactly. Oh my god, like, and 
really grateful that our mom, you know, did a lot of reading and she researched a lot on how to like raise adopted kids, how to raise kids who weren't your race. Um, but then she also has some experience with that. Like she um, like halfway raised um, her niece, our cousin, um, her sister had our cousin when um, our aunt was like 19 and our mom was 15 and she like lived with um, our grandma and our mom. And people thought that that baby was my mom's baby. Mm-hmm. And our mom was more to her than her own mother was. So mm-hmm. I think our mom got, a, you know, a taste of how to, you know, mother a child who like didn't look like you and right. how to like address those things. Like when she was like 15 and 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a hard lesson to learn, but mm-hmm. important. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Should be required for anybody adopting outside of their own race oh my god there should be so much more like empathy training (laughs) or whatever whatever um in adopting because like and it's just it's just appalling some of the people who are able to adopt children of color exactly very well put thank you guys so much for coming on you know our podcast and talking with us us. thanks for having us yeah absolutely um so I'd like to dedicate this episode to Kristen and Carly, especially Carly, um, the twins in my life. Carly was a victim of domestic violence about five years ago, and she's no longer with us. But I'd like to dedicate our twins episode to her in memory of all the amazing things that she did, as well as October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you or anybody out there is experiencing domestic violence, it's not your fault. Um, It's nothing that you did. And even though you might feel really alone right now, there are people out there who are going to be there for you and want to help you. And it's going to take time, but you will be okay. Thanks for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode. If you're interested in participating in one of of these episodes, you can email us at somewhere.between.podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to join us on our Instagram family at somewhere between dot fam and stay connected with updates, casting calls, and more. See you guys next week.